All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Tangentially Speaking. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Ryan. Uh, this is a very special edition. This is uh, Dr. Earth, Dr. Betty. She may as well be a doctor. She knows as much about sexuality as any doctor you're ever going to meet. Yours truly, most definitely included. She knows more than I do, probably. Uh, as well she should. She's been at it for a long time. She had uh, Betty Dodson held the first one-woman show of erotic art at the Wickersham Gallery in New York City way back in 1968. She's widely known as a pioneer in women's and to somewhat lesser extent men's sexual liberation, having sold more than one million copies of her first book, Sex for One. One million copies, yo. Uh, I'm reading from her Wikipedia page. Much of her fame has come from her work not only advocating masturbation, but conducting workshops for more than 30 years in which groups of about 10 or more women would talk, explore their own bodies, and masturbate together. We're going to hear all about that in the conversation I had with Betty and her partner in crime, Carlin Ross. Um, Betty hosted a public access TV uh, television show in New York City in the early 80s uh, and conducted her workshop uh, with a dozen or so nude women discussing and practicing masturbation on TV. Uh, She's a founder of the pro-sex feminist movement, uh, having left behind the more traditional feminist movement because she considered it banal, anti-sexual, and overly politicized. All right, I hear that. Uh, so anyway, Betty is amazing. She's uh, She says how old she is at some point. She was born in 1929. So go figure, what's that make her? 80, 84, 85, somewhere in there. Uh, she is an amazing woman. She's sharp as a tack. She's funny. She's fit. She's... Um, Fearless, as you might imagine, uh, she is the first person in uh, an interview to ask me if my penis was larger than average. Um, yeah, it's an interesting interview, and uh, it was a lot of fun hanging out with her and uh, and Carlin Ross in Betty's apartment in Midtown Manhattan. And uh, so I hope you enjoy that. I'm. It's halftime of the big game here. I, the uh, San Francisco 49ers are leading the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm recording this at halftime. Uh, I'm going to throw this up uh, tonight or tomorrow morning maybe, depending how how quickly I can get it together. I'm leaving in the morning for uh, 10 days on a friend's boat in the Sea of Cortez, believe it or not. Um, if you want to check out the boat, it's called the... Uh, what's it called? The... Komokwa, I think, K-O-M. Yeah, Komokwa, K-O-M-O-K-W-A. If you just Google that, it comes up. It's a pretty amazing boat. Um, and what's the the coolest thing about it is is uh, our friend Brian made his money in wind farming. So uh, it's not even evil, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Anyway, Cassie and I are going to be on that boat uh, cruising around in the Sea of Cortez for the next 10 days or so. I'm going to try to uh, put up a few more podcasts because I want to work through this backlog um, because, as I've mentioned in a few earlier intros, uh, my fears of not finding enough interesting people to talk to have proven to be 
decidedly unfounded. And uh, so I'm starting to feel bad that I'm, I'm sitting on all these great interviews. And so I think what I'm going to do is, is I'll release one from, from the, you know, the backlog that I've got uh, together, alternating with a recent one, because I've done some really cool, um, wonderful interviews in the last 10 days or so here in LA. Uh, Chris James is, is one of the best, most interesting conversations uh, I think I've recorded. Looking forward to releasing that. Uh, and um, uh, Daniele Bolelli and then Daniele's mother. Maybe I'll, I'll release those as a one-two because uh, there's some, some obvious connection between them. Uh, in any case, I'm not using my normal microphone setup, so if it sounds a little strange, it's not your headphones or your speakers. It's uh, I'm using this Zoom, and I'm talking through a what's called um, a dead kitten. Wow, it's really picking up those sirens. We're in L.A. You can hear sirens. Yeah, <laughs> Cassie's sitting here. She doesn't even hear them, but I hear them because they're coming through the, the headphones. Um, yeah, so we're going to be cruising the Sea of Cortez. If you follow me on Instagram, Chris Ryan PhD, you can see some photos. I'll uh, I'll pop up from there. And, uh, okay, so let's get into some, some sponsorships and mentions. First of all, this podcast is hosted by castmate.fm. Castmate.fm. They host most of the Feral Audio podcasts, I believe. Perhaps all of them, I'm not sure, but uh, certainly most of them. They're excellent. It's very simple, very transparent. Uh, so if you've got a podcast and you're, or you're thinking of starting a podcast and you're looking for someone to host it, check them out. Castmate.fm. Uh, they're very competitive pricing. And uh, and like I say, very easy to use, quick customer service. They're great. In fact, speaking of Castmate, I checked my stats recently because I was talking to, to Duncan the other day, uh, Duncan Trussell, and uh, I was saying, you know, we're talking about numbers and the numbers are growing on the podcast and all that. And he said, yeah, well, don't look at... No, he said, hey, man, don't look at the episode numbers. Look at the downloads in the last 30 days. That's what you really need to look at. So I looked at the downloads in the last 30 days, and it's up to like, it's like 110,000 in the last 30 days. So it's growing. Thank you for telling your friends and spreading the word. It's, uh, it's very cool. Uh, there's some interesting things that might be happening um, because of these growing numbers, and I'll, I'll keep you in the loop on that as it develops. I've got a couple of interesting meetings coming up here in L.A. in early February, which may or may not uh, lead to some interesting news. So uh, when there's news, I'll make sure to let you know about it. All right. So let's see. Mentions. Adam Colquhoun. Adam Colquhoun. I'm not sure. Pardon me. If I... Colquhoun. I don't know how the hell to say that. Anyway, Adam in Australia. Thank you for your donation. Much appreciated. Esteban Corroba, thank you for your email and uh, for being in touch. Tony Roadhouse, how you doing, man? Appreciate it. Uh, you're from Abbotsford, B.C. Uh, appreciate your, your email and being in touch. Sarah Gandhi, thank you. Uh, Megan Mitlader, Mitlader, again, I'm fucking up these pronunciations, but I don't know. From Mission Viejo, Meg, uh, Mission Viejo. I love these Spanish names. I was talking to somebody recently who's from Boca Raton, Florida. Boca Raton 
as far as I know, means rat's mouth in Spanish. That's a pretty weird name for a town. El Mudo desde México. Thank you for your, your emails and your support. Much appreciated. Mucho, mucho gusto. Muchas gracias. Somebody said I should do a, uh, an interview in Spanish because I have a funny accent. I'm not sure that's a good idea, but I think I appreciate the, the, <laughs> the comments. Uh, okay, I think now, what else? As always, Shore Design T-shirts, shoredesigntshirts.com. Check them out. They've got so many cool designs, very cheap stuff. Um, good, not, I don't mean cheap uh, materials, wonderful materials at a very reasonable price. You can also get your Sex at Dawn t-shirt or your Tangentially Speaking t-shirt or hoodie at chrisryanphd.com. We're starting to run low already, and we just got a shipment in a month or two ago, and they're starting to run low. Um, Partly because people are ordering them, but partly because um, they're so cool and all my friends ask for them. And so I give them to people I interview and, you know, then... uh, their friends or their kids or their wife or somebody wants one. So they, they tend to go pretty fast. And that just tells you they're they're really nice shirts. They're uh, nice material. They're a little stretchy, but they're 100% cotton. So they're, you know, they're cool uh, in hot weather. They feel great. I know most of you probably are not in hot weather right now since most of us are in the northern hemisphere and it's pretty cold. But uh all right. Now, it's been a big week for me also in terms of media stuff. Uh, I did an interview with Jenk Uger, uh, which you can see uh, if you go to YouTube. I guess just Google Sex, Drugs, and Evolution. Uh, it's on the uh, the Young Turks Network, and you'll see my interview with Jenk. It's about 45 minutes talking about sex, drugs, and evolution. And uh, what else? I interviewed um, Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks for the podcast. That'll I'll release that pretty soon. And, uh, oh, I was in this other thing that came out. I didn't even know I was in it. It's about, it's by Lance Bangs. So if you Google Lance Bangs, her, H-E-R, maybe Vice also. It's on Vice TV. Or it's on the Vice site, but it's like a Vice documentary thing about this movie her uh and it's it's something like um you know artists we love uh reacting to the movie her or something like that the funny thing is i was interviewed before i'd ever heard of the movie uh much less seen it so i was just interviewed um lance asked me about my feelings about uh you know modern relationships and where technology was taking uh, dating and all that kind of thing and uh, anyway, it's it's pretty cool. It's uh, you know I, I'm just in it for twenty thirty seconds, but uh, lots of interesting people are in there. Olivia Wilde and Moshe Kasher and uh, people that you might know from podcasts or movies or TV or whatever. Um, interesting stuff. So I think that about covers it. The only other sponsor I really want to talk about is Squarespace. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace.com. Very cool company. Uh, as I've said uh, several times, and every time I talk about them, my website, chrisryanphd.com, is on, is a Squarespace um, production. It's hosted by Squarespace, and I use their templates to put it together. So check it out, and you can see what a complete novice can do with Squarespace. And I'm sure you're better at it than I am, so you could do something even 
even cooler, but it's a, it's a wonderful tool, very easy to use, great customer service. Uh, you really can't go wrong. The price is fantastic. It's like 8 bucks a month, and you get 10% off if you put in the code word TANGENT1, T-A-N-G-E-N-T-1, when you sign up. That'll tell them that you came from me, and it happened in January. Uh, and uh, that'll help us, and it'll help you because you'll get 10% off. So check them out. If you're thinking of setting up a web page, now's a good time to do it. 2014, yo. What else? That's it, I think. So let's get into this thing with Betty Dodson. She's hilarious. And uh, it's the audio is a little funky because I only had the two mics. So I think uh, I gave one to Betty, one to Col- uh, Carlin, and I'm just sort of like yelling in from the side there. But you can hear everybody pretty clearly, I think. It's just I sound a little a little uh, distant. So that explains that. And uh, I'll try to put together a podcast. I'm not sure who else is going to be on the boat with us, but uh, I'll see if I can record a couple of podcasts out in the field while we're down there in the in the Gulf of uh, in the Sea of Cortez. Uh, really looking forward to that. Never been down there. I hear there's lots of whales and whale sharks and all sorts of uh, fantastic sea life. So looking forward to that. Hope you're all doing well. Keep warm. Take care. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time? Think about your reputation. Testies. One, two, three. Testies. All one, right. Two. I, say, I think our levels think are pretty good? good. Ladies. All right. So I'm here in New York in Midtown, Madison Avenue, beautiful Madison Avenue. Oh. Drum roll. <laughs> Drum roll on the mics. Okay. Sorry about that out there. Uh, what did that make it really loud? Oh, yeah, because yeah. the mics are on the table. So. You just uh, blew out everyone's eardrums. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it in post. But I don't want to miss the testes one, two, three, and the suck my clit. <laughs> Should we test our microphones again? <laughs> test the, from the top, ladies. Testes one, two, three. Suck my clit. <laughs> All right. That's our sound check. So I'm here with uh, the greats. The, the, can I say legendary? Is that? Yeah. Yes. yes. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. Legendary uh, Betty Dodson and Carlin <laughs> Ross. Is that That's correct? That's correct. Okay. I, I should like write these things down. But um, you two have been working together for a long time, right? How long? No. No? Six years is a long oh, time. Oh, is it? a long time, yeah. This past July, it was six years. Are you years. sure it's six years? Yes. Time flies. It seems like only yesterday. <laughs> well, we have fun. We love what we do, and we have a good time. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of it. There's a good energy in, in the space here. Betty's been in this say. apartment for 50 years. Really? 5-0. She held all of her orgies during the sexual revolution here. Oh. Then when she it, became a feminist, they became body sex workshops. So these walls have oh, seen... that explains the... Thousands, okay. hundreds of thousands of orgasms? Easy, easy. Oh, and, and, and during the, the, the sec, you know, when we were having sex parties... I had two full-size beds over against that wall and just a little couch here and a sound system, and it was 
such a beautiful image. And then the front room was sort of like socializing, and you'd have, you know, and no drugs in the beginning. We didn't do any alcohol, no marijuana. I had an urn of coffee and some fruit and, you know, cheese and crackers. And when when are we talking about now? Late 60s, early 70s. Right. And then the the body sex groups kicked in when I realized that I don't want to do group sex anymore because the women are faking orgasms and the guys are getting off. I mean, I'm a visually trained person, right. and I kept watching. And so people think I have a Ph.D. because I read and studied. Uh-uh. You have sex. That's how you know about sex. You do you learn about sex by having sex, not about reading about it and crunching numbers. That's ridiculous. Mm. So I kept seeing women were not having orgasms. Now how could you tell? A visual. I know. You look. Use your eyes. Mm. Don't but you know? When I do, but I have my little tricks. I mean, as a man, I... you know, what? because Toes curling. <laughs> That's the main one, yeah. The chest the gets flushed. Not See? always. There you go. Not always. Not yeah. always. No, you can bring yourself right up to one and then not let it happen. Uh-huh. So that it's more like it, it's a visual and it's an auditory. And it's and you can see the body, and when it goes into autonomic reflex... The build-up and then the it's, reflex. It's really impossible to imitate that. Mm. It's There's a different quality. It's like I can... <gasps> But it's not the same as a real sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I was hoping you'd give me some more uh, some more pointers on on spotting it. But of course, women never fake orgasms with me, so there's no need for me to. to oh. <laughs> I'll just what, tell someone. It's very rare I can't orgasm yeah. because I think we do sex all day long, so you're kind of you prime the pump. Right. But sometimes it's like I'm not getting there. You know what I mean? It's just like. Forget it. You know, yeah. it's just. Well, sometimes it's okay to fake an orgasm if the guy's, you know, going to kill himself to get you there because it means more to him than it does to us. Yeah. It's his ego, his, darling. He must prove himself ego. to get yeah. his woman off. Right. And I don't believe in that. My thing is that I'm responsible for my orgasm, you're responsible for yours, and we can share them. Right. But you don't give me shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I get it. I go and get it. Yeah. yeah. I can use you, but... Right. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, my first girlfriend, I, I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. And mm. probably, there's a good reason for that. But here's the... I mean, I might as well. We're here in the, the orgasm room, the chamber You show of us yours, we'll show you ours. My first girlfriend was... But my first sexual partner was... Uh, um, she could have orgasms from... Anything other than intercourse. Well, that's pretty, pretty average, standard. right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was fifteen, you know, and I just I didn't feel threatened by that. I f- I was intrigued by it. Oh. I, I was I found it very interesting. Good so why boy. is that? So I immediately I, like I bought a bunch of vibrators and dildos and Benoit. You're balls such a nice and, boyfriend. Well, I, <laughs> it was like a, a puzzle, and I wanted to understand like how does this work? Like why would it happen? You know, when I go down on her, but or fingers or clitoris, this, clitoris, and, well, clitoris. exactly. So it's like I I immediately got into all that, and then. You know, and then also I quickly learned that it's not 
purely physiological. It's also very, in her case, certainly very psychological as well. So there were, you know, she had certain feelings about intercourse that maybe she didn't have or blockages psychologically that well, she didn't have. Well, first of all, you could maybe things. get pregnant. Yeah, there's a big Duh. Issue. That's yeah. always the big scary thing. And she was from a religious family. Oh, so yeah. So there was, God was in the mix there somewhere. Oh, and then the other thing is all this crap about virginity. And yeah. the slut stigma. You don't want your friends to find out. Yeah. They really shut and down women. very few women can come from vaginal penetration. It right. doesn't really stimulate us adequately. Yeah. Yeah. I know, and all the dicks are crying. Oh, I want her to come from my penis. <laughs> <laughs> Carlin's about to say something. Well, I was going to say, uh-huh. she can come from your penis. I love vaginal penetration with clitoral stimulation, though. Right. You know, and it's going to take a little longer, and there's different techniques. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, you're not going to stick your dick in, and I'm going to scream and go crazy and explode. Although, you know, I, I was with a woman once, a psychiatrist, as a matter of fact. Mm. I, I have a thing about psychiatrists, apparently. But I was with a woman, and she... You weren't her patient, though. No, no, no. Okay. No. Um, but she, I want the visual. I had the fantasy going. <laughs> no, I've never. Tell I've me, never Christopher, seen about your mother. Yeah. Well, you're no. Uh, anyway, so she was, she was the the what you're describing. She just penetration, orgasm, immediate really? orgasm, and it continued like a shaking, you know, crazed orgasm. Yeah, I'd never seen this before. And she wasn't, no, what do you no, think, no, Betty? no, no, not faking, believe me, because, I mean, why would you fake like that? Did you have a it lot of like foreplay? Because she didn't know any better. I don't think so. I don't think so. We could give her a call and find out. But, yeah. Did she have a big clit? Not particularly, no. No. Did you, any foreplay before? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, but... But it was just, it, there, it was like plugging in a, a lamp Oh, I so now, do you have a big cock? Uh, now we need to know the details. Uh, we're going to have to pause the recording. Uh, what are we doing here? Uh, are you larger than average? <laughs> no, Come on, you know if no, you're larger than no. average. Like, my boobs are average. They're not larger than average. That's, you know what I mean? You can say that. Yeah. So you're not I, no, larger? No. Do you I'm, have a good I'm curve? Average. No, no curve. Uncircumcised? Circumcised? Uh, circumcised. Poor men, you all are. It's such a tragedy. Well, is it? Yep. I don't know. I mean, yep. I, I'm undecided about that. I don't know, be. Don't be. Well, okay, here's the thing. The the argument, the main, I mean, look, I'm against mutilation of babies in any case. So, Good. So That's the, part you know, of it. Theoretically, there's, okay. I'm against that, right? Um, but as far as the the main argument I've, I've heard is uh, the desensitization, that it removes the most sensitive part of the foreskin and all that. And it stops lubricating. It's great about fucking a guy that's circum- uh, uncircumcised is it lubricates. And you don't have yeah. to do so much friction. There's more of a glide. Right, yeah, it's right. the turtle glide, you know? Right. <laughs> the turtle glide. I like the turtle. The turtle wax. Uh, yeah, okay, but the, as far as the argument of uh, desensitization... Uh, not enough sensation has never been an issue for me, I mean, especially as a young guy. You know, mm-hmm. the, the problem is too much sensation. You're trying to, you know, you're lying there thinking about baseball and snow to try not to come. So if there's even more sensation, it, it, I would think premature. But are we talking about yeah. erection? Because you're saying as you get an erection and you're aroused, that's different than the sensation of the penis itself, right, Betty? Well, yeah. Um I'm confused when you say that because uh, when the glands is exposed, it gets rough, so you have less sensation. 
but in I, your skin, I, in, you know, of the whole head of the of the penis. But I think what happens is that you learn control, you learn cum control, and that take cutting off the the most n- richest nerve endings, which are in the in the in the uh, foreskin. That isn't going to help you be able to keep an erection longer or not come so fast. That's always going to be a process of training and learning. So no, I disagree with that. That it that it makes you last longer to have that foreskin cut off. Mm. What it does do is it you it you most men require too much friction. That's why you see guys jerking off like that right. instead of like a nice slow, glide, sensuous. Well, there, I definitely uh, was a victim of that in the sense that you know you see as a kid growing up you see these images of people just jerking off right or my friends jerking off whatever and every time I tried that it hurt like hell it should hurt yeah it's it hurt. horrible well it hurt because there's no lubrication and I'm circumcised and they weren't so they could just go like that they've got the extra uh, skin right the well that's title, why they circumcise you so you don't masturbate blood. that yeah, was one of the yeah, original one reasons, of the reasons. Yep. Yeah, welcome to the Western world. Here we are. <laughs> Don't want too much pleasure. Okay, so so speaking of pleasure, so how how did all this start? How did Betty Dodson become Betty Dodson? If I can ask uh, such a brutally simple question. No, it's a good one. It by solving my own problems. So it's the mid to late sixties. You're I'm in married, my I'm in my thirties, uh-huh. and I am ex- what am I thirty five or thirty six? I am an art. I have gone to art school. I have lived in Europe. I have traveled around. I live in New York City. I'm a sophisticated woman, and I think I'm genitally deformed because I have long inner lips. Ah, I when I discovered that, I went, "Oh my God!" Then I immediately I. Too much childhood masturbation, I'd stretch them. Ah, so you thought. <laughs> and one's longer than the other, so she thought uh-huh. it was because she always did it on one side, so she tried to switch, but it never worked. I cut a deal with God. I said, I'll switch to the other side, and, and as soon as they even up, I'll then I'll stop. Uh-huh. And it never evened up, and I never stopped. So. <laughs> Are you still masturbating left-handed? No, I got a vibrator. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I had a lover, and he wanted to do oral sex, and he and then and I think I he did because I would only let a guy go down for a few moments, and I'd pull him up to fuck. Because you were ashamed. I didn't want him down hanging. I think that's very true for most women. Yeah. yeah. We just. Yeah. <laughs> We don't like our genitals because they f- smell funny, they look funny, we don't have any association, there's nothing we can compare them to. So here I am deformed from too much childhood masturbation, and he's gone down. And I must admit, oral sex was great, and I thought, wow, I'd like to do more of this, but no, he's going to discover my deformity. Then he says, you have one of my favorite styles of pussies, and I go, style? Ooh, he's really sick. You know, I, I, I was suspecting he was, you know, a little nutty. And he reaches to go turn on the light. And I went, oh, boy. And I burst into tears. Oh. And I then told him about my deformity. And he couldn't get over it. He said, honey, you're perfectly normal. Oh, now, I'd had great. several years of therapy. But how did he heal you? He went and got a stack of Split Beaver magazines 
<laughs> Which back then in That's the 70s, and late 60s, I mean, yeah. it was 60s. And there's the a 60s. range of, of looks to a woman. No one was getting surgery. Well, they yeah. also yeah. It, they all they all look different. It was a different. Yeah. Now we have uh, women porn vulvas, cookie cutters. Yeah, they all look the same. Yeah, they cut off the inner lips. They bleach uh, the a, yeah. They uh. bleach the asshole. They get rid of the of the pubic hair. Yeah, um, terrible. So they all it's like we're little blow up dolls. Yeah. So I looked at these pictures and I went, oh, there's me. Oh, there's another one. There. And I got it. I got it. So, what, 10 minutes of looking at, at porn. And you're in your mid-30s. Was he older than you? Yeah. yeah. He was Sounds seven like years older. Yeah. Well, that's and, fantastic. I know. And, and we worked together for the rest of his life. Oh, really? Yeah. And oh, we were good. colleagues. We had a, a sexual affair for five years, and then I can't sustain sex with one person. It, I don't know. There's but they started the group sex scene. Like, they went to the group sex parties, and that was a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. and we started off with the threesome, and then we went to the parties, and then I threw through the parties, and then when I saw women were faking orgasm, they were not on an equal playing field. I said, and she was becoming a feminist. You were getting swept up in the movement. Yeah, that this was a time to uh, to stop and teach women about orgasm. Yeah. Now, did you feel that there was a, a political component to this when you were doing it? <laughs> <laughs> there question. still is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is how you keep women repressed, keep right. us dumb. Yeah. We all think there's something wrong with down there. We don't have a name for it. Shame. We don't know yeah. how to, yeah, shame, shame. It's just. And don't it, they use women to control male sexuality as well? We're the stop valve. You know, it's right. like just push down on the women, control them, sure. make them frigid, you know, all that stuff, and then we'll control male sexuality. Yeah, ruin the party for everyone. That's it's amazing. <laughs> Basically. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're so okay, now you had this experience. Before you had this experience, would you say that you were particularly interested in sex or oriented I was, towards sex? I was a fine artist drawing the nude. Oh, These are okay. my art. This is it. Oh, this is your work. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I assumed it was Egon Sheila or someone. Yeah. Betty Dotson, motherfucker. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I wish this were videotaped. So maybe I can take a picture yeah, and post take some it pictures. on the, sure. on uh, the web. Th- we have all of my, we have th- over 300 images of my art on our website. Yeah, in a gallery. Oh, good. You can see what them. is the website? Uh, Dotsonandross.com. So D O D S O N A N D. R-O-S-S, Dotson and Ross. Dot com, beautiful. And and you've got uh, a team of bloggers on the site as well. So yeah, we have about new. 30 writers. So we like to have that's people go um, first person, because that's Betty's method of teaching, as you share right. from your experience. And so they, it's kind of pansexuality, anything, any kind of interesting perspective, or just how they live their lives. So we've had virgins blogging about being, a, I'm a gay virgin or I'm a straight virgin, you know, people that are having open relationships, um, mothers, you know what I mean? Anyone, uh, we get a couple of doulas, women that are working in birth uh-huh. and stuff like yeah. that. And just, you know, I think we all have something to say about sex, Yeah, right? We all have our own experience. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I've checked out the site a few times. Our mutual friend Lawrence blogs for you sometimes. Yes. Uh, I've seen some of... Some our of tantra stuff. guy. The tantra 
tantra, the tantra guy. <laughs> He's a very interesting guy. Um, we shot some video with him a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah. Betty and I masturbated on camera to get our orgasms on camera. We just I don't know how it, it kind of all came together. And uh, well, how did I not see that in preparation? For this <laughs> it's you know we just we have to look at the final edits, but he did a great job. And what I love about it is it's like we're gonna do a project called My Orgasm. Uh-huh. And then just people documenting. This is how I orgasm. Here's how I like to stimulate my body. Here are the toys oh, I right. use and stuff like that. And so we had an idea, and I think we're going to do it. Kind of getting adult women in the adult entertainment world, as well as regular women, to say, you know, what is the difference? Like, okay, we know how you fuck on camera, right? Yeah. But when you're home in your house, yeah, I'm sure Nina Hartley would be up for that. She's a good friend, yeah. yeah. She's, Nina. She's wonderful. Yeah. Um, have you heard of hysterical literature? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Of course, I already did this project on a DVD. I have 13 self-loving divas. I just filmed 13 women doing their thing without any education, without any... They brought their little... Some of them had these rinky-dink stupid... This woman had this, like, antique vibrator. It was like a really? panabrator. It was like this... From your grandmother? Like, where did you get this? I know. Mm. She loved it. She loved it. And we had women just using their hands, and we had different vibrators. I love Robin because she talked about how when she was a little kid, she would eat her ice cream and then use the popsicle stick to go back and forth on either side of her clit. So she's like, I could use a popsicle stick, pens. She's like, that's her sex toy. But she didn't touch it with her hand. Oh, right. Shame again. There it is. I'd worry about the popsicle stick, though, with splinters. I think. Yeah, they're pretty smooth because they, you don't they know people mouth. are going to suck on it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I can. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Or I'd probably end up putting You'd the popsicle, the popsicle. I'd insert it. I would, oh. Yeah. Why <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait for the stick, right? Okay, so I, I just want to keep this line. So we're, you're in the '60s. It's it's political. You're with this. Your colleague, your friend. W- were you in a partnership at that point? Well, or? yeah, we had a. We were primary lovers, but oh. we weren't mon- monogamous. Right. Now, uh, were you hippies? Did you consider yourselves kind of. hippies? Yeah, but we're like aging hippies because I was like in my late 30s, and he was in his early 40s. Right. And they had both gotten out of bad marriages. He was married to a woman not unhappy, and she was married to a premature ejaculator. So mine was seven years, and his was 17 years. So not having the sex that they want, they meet each other, and then they take off into the sexual revolution. Okay, wow. Yeah. That must have been something. And he was the one that allowed me to understand I wasn't deformed. And... I will never forget this. When I masturbated, I stimulated my clitoris. When I had partner sex, I tried to come from vaginal intercourse. Now, I sometimes you can succeed. You get a position, get on top, and you're pushing into the guy, whatever it is. But it was very iffy. Mm. It's, it's a hit and miss. And then he just when moistens his fingertips, and while he's fucking me, he reaches down and stimulates my clitoris at the same time. <gasps> oh, my God. God, I died and gone to heaven. I never had an orgasm that big. So from that day on, it's clitoral stimulation with vaginal penetration. And he had a very sweet touch, but when I tried it with other guys and told them what to do, if they get excited, they go go harder and faster. They cannot be a steady drummer. So I recommend women do their own clits. Right. You're fucking her, let her reach down and stimulate her own clitoris. Right. Right. You're in control of your penis, she's in control of her clitoris. It's yeah. only fair. 
Yeah, I've never understood why men get threatened by things like that. That's because seems like they, the sexiest I, thing I, I in love the, world. the kid, the kid that wrote back to us when we were talking. Oh, about. on our YouTube clip, and he said, "You don't understand. We want you to come from our penis." But why? I mean, that's what's the big the, deal? You're control, domination? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but it's so it's so shallow and stupid. That I mean, is what most men are. They're stupid and shallow. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone is as wonderful as Christopher. Uh, uh, yeah, right, right. Uh, no, <laughs> no, but I mean, even... He's probably beginning. a little stupid and a little shallow, and, and, and Casilda <laughs> shaped him up. <laughs> well, Casilda's the last in a long line of women who've been shaping yeah, for, uh, <laughs> oh, really? Years. So you had a whole bunch of... <laughs> oh, I was all... When Casilda and I met, I was about 30... Well, that was 14. I was about 37. Oh, okay. I was not a 37-year-old virgin, if that's what you're asking. All right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you could practically be if you were with women who were total bottoms. No. Because no. they'll never tell you anything. I've been with a lot of very assertive women. Um I lived with a stripper for years who was also a very um, outspoken feminist in San Francisco who sort of, uh, she and a couple of other women uh, founded a stripper's union in San Francisco and ended up going to court and getting sued. I think I, I heard about that. that. Yeah, I followed it. Yeah, I followed she it. was one of them. And so, no, I've been around a lot of outspoken, strong That's women. his attraction, of course. He likes Casilda. He's not going to want yeah, some I don't, mouth. I don't like dumb people. In general, I so. think most. I, I mean, my experience is most men like an assertive woman. I'm not saying they don't want to dominate time to time. Absolutely, but they don't mind a woman who's assertive in the bedroom. Well, and also, I mean, I found that there's a, you know, these they're they're different worlds. So a woman who's very assertive in life, who's a you know hard charging, is it necessarily in bed? She yeah. might be completely submissive because that's a place for her to relax and not have to think, and she just wants to turn it off and you know. It's a race to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also I, you know, I'm very interested in in multicultural stuff. So I'm. Have you read Milan Kundera? Do you know Milan Kundera, the unbearable lightness of being? No. Are you talking about the author? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I know the unbearable lightness. Yeah, he he talks about. Um, well, the unbearable lightness of being to me is a very interesting book because he, I think gets into a lot of the way men and women deal with each other and the differences in how we think and questions of freedom and commitment and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he talks about, uh, he says there are two types of womanizer. Um, but I'm told by a friend who speaks French that in the original, he wrote it in French, in the original, the word doesn't really mean womanizer. In other words, it means men who love women. That's quite different. Quite Very different. different. But yeah. of course, in English, it immediately they put it womanizer with all the negative connotations. And anyway, so he says. There's so what two. is a womanizer? A guy who just fucks women, loves them, and leaves them? Yeah, that's my casual sex. Yeah, you're a but, womanizer. That's what I love. Yeah. I know. I wish I could find a womanizer. Please email me. Womanize me. Uh, 
But but isn't there a sense of a womanizer doesn't really respect women? He yes. just throws them away. And it's not you know. So I think that's the difference in the French. The the word meant you know men who savor women, men who love women, and so of course there's more than one woman in their lives because they love women, right? But he said the two types. The one type is romantic, and this is the guy who's always disappointed because he's looking for that perfect woman, and no woman is ever oh, quite yes, perfect. Oh yes, I hate that kind. Yeah. Okay. The other kind is the epic. And he's the guy who loves women, all kinds of women. He's never disappointed, right? It's just every woman is interesting in a new way. And I read that, I was like, that's me. Epic womanizer or epic lover of women or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. So enough about me and my penis, no, though. We're not here to talk about my, kind of interesting, my uncurved. Are we going to see penis. it by the time you leave? I think it's only fair that you built it up so much. We just get to see it. Come on, get it out. Betty gets it's Betty's birthday. She gets Look to cop a feel. I want to see it. Is today your birthday? Tomorrow. No. Really? Eighty-five. Holy moly! Congratulations. A life of orgasmic what an bliss. Honor. And if, keeps you well, if you are any indication of the uh, health benefits of orgasm, baby, everybody. I threw in a few other things, but yeah. Basically. Everybody should be. But you know for what? Health. No one, no one factors in happiness when they deal with health. Yeah. Most people hate their work. They hate their their spouse. They hate. They hate. They hate. They're uncomfortable. They're unhappy. I have always loved what I do. Yeah. Always, because it's basically. Creative art school. I loved art school. Mm. Mastering the drawing of the nude. What an accomplishment! Once I knew I could draw the nude like Michelangelo, I was unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, I could do anything except get a gallery show. Really? Well, abstract expressionism, yeah. my dear. Yeah. Pop oh, art. Right. He's always a little time. ahead of the curve. Yeah. And then, and then, the fact that I'm a woman. Uh-huh. Now, all of these galleries are owned and run by these beautiful faggots. So if I had a big dick and I knew how to suck it, I would have had a show. See, if you just like to give blowjobs more, you would have been a famous artist. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. Yeah, oh, you're not good at blowjobs? No, don't like them. Really? I don't want to suck your dick. Well, and I'm not She'll whipping it, it out. I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, hand job. Hand job. Oh, I love Yeah, she's do. a hand job queen. Oh, I do. I have really? great hands, and I love We went out last night. We had a little bit too much champagne. You were offering to give hand jobs to every <laughs> waiter in the restaurants, and we were then we got a drink, and you were like, oh, I'll give you a hand job. I'll give you a hand job. And he said, I can't come from a, man, a hand job. And I said, oh. I, bet you, I bet you can if I put my finger up your ass. Oh, he loved it. What? He loved it. He said, yeah, that would work. That would work. Oh, yeah. That works every time. A little prostate stimulation. Wow. I missed the party last night. We did. We kind of rolled through New York and had some fun. Wow. Was it just the two of you? Just the two of us. You know, the two of us, it's a party. Yeah. And that's it. We love what we do. We have the same ideals. Uh We kind of abfab it a little now and again. Um, Traveling, it's all easy. That's when we started our partnership. It's like, let's see if we can travel. And it's like when you have the same ideals with someone and you're like-minded and you like to do the same work, it flows. So, like, we're always working. You know what I mean? We're always kicking something around. And I think that reflects in the work and, you know, in social media and you put it all out there. I mean, I was looking on Twitter. People retweeted that picture of us with the champagne glasses like 200 times. You know, you put a little piece of yourself out there, yeah. and I think people appreciate that. And everyone likes to, you know, root for Betty. Yeah, Betty's just like the grandmother you always wanted. 
You know, I, I was doing an interview with a comedian a few months ago, Duncan Trussell, really, really great guy, and he said. He was introducing me, and he said, you know, Christopher Ryan, author, blah, blah, blah. He said, but he said you know what you are? You're a shame exorcist. Oh, I like that. And I thought, you're the real shame exorcist. Well, it, we both you know? are. Yeah. Come on. Well. We can both do it. And, and we'll count. She's got me in, too? All right. Shake handshakes all, right. all around. Help yeah. people get over their shame. Yeah, because it's... it's the, well, by giving nothing. them permission, right? Like, Give well. them per- Your book gave people permission right. that if I'm having these thoughts and these feelings and I, I can't be monogamous it's not some kind of flaw yeah or even if I can be but it's hard yeah. you know of course it's hard you know understand what kind of animal you are start from that uh, an accurate sense of what kind of animal we all are I never ever liked it I was never able to do it I always thought there was something wrong with me how come I can't be in love with this perfectly nice man why do I want to fuck him him her and the and the dog I mean I just I used to come home and pray and be like, if I have a nice boyfriend who treats me well, why did I end up making out with his best friend at the party? So horrible. <laughs> you know I'm so I mean? ashamed And when myself. I was like 15, this is what I'm thinking, 16, why can't I just be a good girl? Well, where were you growing up? Uh, the south shore of Long Island. Oh, yeah. okay, Long Island. Long Island. Long Island, yeah. yeah. Okay, and how did you guys meet? I interviewed Betty. Uh-huh. It's actually a good story. I am a lawyer by trade. I was doing this one business venture. It didn't work out with a partnership. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to interview people like we're doing right now and do podcasts. Um, I'm going to tell the rest of it. Okay, about questions like sex, but sex that, like, I want to ask those questions, the questions they never ask when there's an interview. So I called Betty and left a message on her 800 number, and I put the podcast up in um, iTunes, Guilty Pleasures, a million downloads in four months. Wow. I had a huge following. So I threw out that number because I knew that would get her. So she makes a date. I write it down on my little calendar. She shows up a day early. I flipped the interviews because I really... And I, I thought she was West Coast. I thought is this is a very good indication. She's so excited about getting here to interview me that she's a day early. So she said, oh, oh, I'll come back. I said, no, come on in. I'm sitting in the room. Now, hold on. I'll, just a little visual. <laughs> Betty comes to the door. It's the summer. She's wearing black bicycle shorts <laughs> and then a t-shirt that she cut the sleeves off and made it a tank top and it's Rosie the Riveter holding a Hitachi magic wand. All right. But you left out the good stuff. And Yeah, and then there was a big grease stain down the front. <laughs> <laughs> Lunch on the terrace again. <laughs> so and in and so in walks this hot chick, toot, 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 and she's pulling this little silver bag, you know, little case. Yeah. And she sits it down, and she's sitting there, and I'm sitting here, and I watch her take her little laptop out and put the like you did, da, 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 and I'm hmm. And she's so cool with technology. She's and I said, you're very comfortable with technology. She said, oh, I love it. I, I can. I said, can you manage a camera? Because I need. I, not only do I need a webmaster, and which I, you know, she's on the computer, but I need someone who can document things. Because I'm not going to be around forever, mm. and I want to document. You know, she's got me in the cloud all over. I mean, everything. <laughs> I, 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 in the cloud. I fart, and it's in the cloud. Yeah, exactly. You, you it's all documented. Farts? How do you tweet a fart, anyway? I've been trying. If I could do that, fight a nickel for every fart, I could have tweeted. <laughs> there it is, folks. Betty Dodson's fart. So, 
about what <laughs> 10 minutes 15 minutes in and i'm looking and i'm thinking so i just said we're going to go into business together shake on it really and i didn't hesitate because i thought that's exactly how i am if i see something i want or i get a good feeling i just go for it so i felt like we're simpatico. Like, you it's going to work. were living in New York at the time? Yeah, oh, I was living okay. in New York. And I really got it with the interview question because, you know, everyone sits down and says, oh, Betty, how did you get into masturbation? Yeah. So, no, 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 I wasn't going down like that. So I said, Betty, I went online and I found some quotes attributed to you. I want to read them back to you and you tell me if you said it and if you still agree. Uh-huh. And I saw you got a little, like, a flutter. Uh-huh. You're like, oh. No, and then the first thing you read, I said, I never said that. Do it was a good. what it was? No, I don't. I don't either. But I remember there was some Sex in the City quote, and you're like, oh, I said that, because you slammed Sex in the City. Oh, please, looking for a man. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> so, and then yeah. we just, tra- we traveled a little bit. That worked. And then we went to Copenhagen and did a body sex workshop. I had no idea what I was in for. I asked her, what should I bring? She said, get a raspberry-colored robe. And I was like, all right. Pink. That experience blew my mind. You know, because here we are with 13 graduating sexologists in a circle looking at each other's vulvas. And then Betty showing us masturbation techniques. And then we're having a group or first group orgasm I ever had. What? Really? And it was, well, where it's not a sex party. Right. Like right. you're you're together, but you're alone. You're, Can, you're doing. Did everyone come together? Kind of. There was that one woman. Remember the black orchid? She had that black pussy that kind of came out and was all puffy. It was beautiful. And she was loud. And she and it was real like animal, like grunting, and, and she would start, and I just remember the, the orgasm would go around the circle, like the wave in the yeah. Stadium. Because when you hear someone else, that, that would happen in some of the groups, but but not all. But these, no, not always. These were sophisticated, uh, Nor, Nor, Norwegian. They were no, no, no. We were in Copenhagen. Danes. Danes. Oh, the Danes. All right. Graduating were, sexologists. They're all so. sexologists. Right. So they were very advanced. One woman was pregnant. Yeah. Remember? She was great. It was just really exciting. That one woman had all those um, piercings all up in her labia. Huh. She was great. Uh, so that was like the kickoff. Yeah. So then we had... I had and I hadn't work- done a workshop for 20 years. Yes. I had, oh, really? I had to stop. I wore out my hip joints getting up, living on the floor. <laughs> but, right. at, but at that point, I had hip... In circles. I yeah. had hip replacement. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. you're, you're yeah. literally and talking about So these women, they yeah. were this, that this one woman, she would not leave me alone. She said, you've got to come here and you've got to run a workshop for us. And I said, I haven't done one for 20 years. I don't do them anymore. I had to stop. And she would not let me relentless. go. She hung in and I said... All right, already. It was fantastic. It was like a, 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 it's life changing in a way. I yeah. think because women, we never experience that, the sisterhood, and you know, the first day people are like they are in gym class trying to disrobe and then putting their robe on. And be, by day two, because you've all been naked in a room and you've looked at each other's vulvas and been like, "Wow, hers is bigger or smaller, or it's brown or it's pink," and you see the range. Day two, everyone's just like, "Hey, walking around naked." To see that and witness it in other people is just yeah. so healing in yourself. Even, yeah. I mean, I didn't think I had any issues. I don't have any body image issues. I don't. I'm orgasmic. It still made a difference. Right. See, and I had it. I had every issue. Yeah. I was a mess. Oh. Well, it's like uh, what Eric Francis said that I'm the manifestation of Betty's work. I was born the year oh, that Betty right. gave this big speech in the Volvo slideshow at Now Sexuality Conference in '73, the year I was born. And here we are with our Volvo hearts today. Yeah. We did this on the YouTube. We finally. This have is a them. new product. We've done jewelry of Volvo pendant. 
Wow, very nice. So that's what I just make everything Betty Dotson digital. We merged our websites. Isn't that great? That's beautiful, yeah. We're doing workshops again. We're writing books like crazy, just creating media, 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 and it's fun. You know? So did you overcome all your issues, or do you still have some sort of residual Well, the, you know, it's like everybody thinks that I'm, I never am embarrassed or I don't have any reserve. No, I have to still push through. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You, that doesn't change. It must feel wonderful, though, to see younger people who are coming up without the stuff. I mean, I... I you I, can't grow up in this c- culture and not have yeah, issues yeah. to overcome. It's impossible. But at least people can come up with fewer issues. And or Yeah, or they're not as deeply ingrained and they can overcome them more quickly. Yeah. You've been saying that the questions on the website, because Betty answers questions from the web about ten, you know five to ten a day, and you said they're getting a lot more advanced in the questions that they're asking. Yeah, it, in the beginning, the, you know, like five years ago, this abstinence only, these children, these poor babies, they have no idea what what a, the, the women and the men what an orgasm is for a woman. No fucking idea whatsoever. It is, it is really a tragedy. And so, and they think now, and this is what really pisses me off, and I, that's, that's the appropriate word for this fuckless G-spot crap. It is drives me crazy because now, of the '70s feminists, which I was a part of and led a lot of it, we reinstated the clitoris as the woman's primary sex organ for pleasure, established. And then all of a sudden now it's this magic spot inside the vagina. Do you think that's an accident? Hmm. Huh. So you think it, it's pulling the attention away from the clitoris? Absolutely. And, and now all penis. these little boys and they want a woman to a female ejaculate? No, we don't ejaculate. Hmm. That's what men do. And because Well, you do, it's a teaspoon though. It's not across the room. It's a teaspoon. Well, if you if you do, and not all women do, you and if you're fucking, you won't ever see it. It's like a teaspoon from the prostatic blah blah blah. Yeah. So what happens is that all the little guys now they got their finger in there and they're banging on the, the ceiling of the vagina and the woman's going I hate the feeling it is the most nasty ugly you know I'd like to get my finger up every one of those little boys assholes (laughs) (laughs) oh they'd love that oh yeah they would yeah you like it well today I was uh, contacted by Huffington Post live they wanted me to comment oh yeah 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 uh, the sexual predator thing did they get in touch with you no no but I heard about it someone on Facebook was talking about it what is it fill me in well they apparently they, they said they wanted to talk about sexual predators particularly teacher student relationships you reminded me you're talking about little teacher guy. student and I wrote back and said look I, I'm certainly no expert on this I'm busy anyway and you know it's not my thing um, and I said anyway you know uh, I'm not a teacher for good reason they, you yeah, know, if I exactly. were teaching graduate students who knows I, you know, not a good situation there and, uh, and I said you know when I was a student I had sex with several of my teachers and so it was great I. You know, it was no problem I said, your audience doesn't want to hear that. And she wrote back and said, that's exactly what that's we're what looking for. That's what they want, yeah. yeah. They want someone who'll come. But I'm not going to do that, yeah. It's kind of bad for your brand in this environment. Yeah, although if I were worried about my brand, everything would be different. <laughs> you know, I think there's, it, it's, 
it's like obscenity when they say you know it when you see it. Remember that yeah. one woman who took a workshop? She talked about having an affair with her teacher, but she was 16 and didn't know anything about sex, and they had a really big cock, and it hurt, and it really kind of like she felt he was very selfish, and it was just he was fucking a tight pussy, and he was married, and he put her through the bed, and she had carried that until the workshop to kind of like let go. So I think, yeah, that's different, right? Mm. But when it's about sharing an orgasm and sharing experience with someone, yeah, that's all very about different. Consen- consensual. Yeah. 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 And and you know what? Is, you know, there are ages of consent, but pe- some people who are 25 aren't really. Well, really if somebody asked yeah. me about predator, I'd say, "Oh, you mean the Catholic priests?" Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh no, we never talk about that. Oh. Yeah. Any, uh, well, anyway, I didn't mean to go off on that, but something about you with your fingers up, little boy's ass. Just conjured it all up. <laughs> Just run it all up. I'll keep you in mind, darling. <laughs> <laughs> well, people uh, have written in and said how healing it was that one section on the site, you talk about sexual beginnings. People feel guilty because they are sexual as children and yeah. they've done something with someone else and then they have this guilt, shame. Right. Again, it's this normal. Yeah. Kids are sexual. Kids are sexual. There's no way around it. Exactly. Not in this culture. Yeah. You know, last I was uh, you and I had some talk about doing a podcast a couple of years ago and I, when I was in New York, but you had to run off at the last minute to teach a Swedish newscaster how to have an orgasm. Does that ring a bell? Yes. Wasn't that? Was it uh, Sven? <laughs> <laughs> It would be Sven. No, I know what it was. I thought no, it was a woman. It, no, it was a boy. Oh. It was um, last time we went to Norway. Simon, remember Simon? We gave our talk, and then we went back to the news crew, and he was there for the talk. And we went back, and he had a vul- vulva phobia, oh, and so I God. spread my legs across them, and then you showed him the different things, and it was. Sh- oh, when we were in, co- in yeah, Oslo. Yeah, in Oslo. Yes, that was. That was. <laughs> I just thought that was such a. Great- I am the resident Sorry, stunt cunt here. Whenever we need a vulva on That's camera, great. but in Scandinavia they put that on television. Oh, really? Yes. My wow. favorite line. I said, you know, I'd show you mine, but I have these long inner lips, and I said, they're so long I could actually teabag you. <laughs> Oh, that was the best. And he's a little gay boy. <laughs> he was adorable, but he was having, he says, like the new big show. Like a, he's like a TV host or I'd something. I'd love to have seen the whole show. We never, they never sent us the footage or anything. Really? No, we got, see, now you're reminding us. We have to get back yeah, in touch. It was a really great show because I remember we had given our talk, putting the Volvo on the map, did the whole PowerPoint and everything, and then we drank some champagne because we were exhausted. And then we went right into that, filming that. And so, there was no script. I had to make that whole no, thing up. No, no. We totally, like, ad-libbed the whole thing. And this is like a half-hour show? Well, no, this was like a little flyer. Oh. No, it was a full show. Because, remember, he was at our lecture in the front row. And we saw the big oh, and they TV the cameras. Ca- and, really, and no one told us what was going on. So we're like, why do they have these cameras in this guy's face? So they're getting B-roll of him watching you. And then later you're yeah, on the show. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. It was fun, though. I have to say, it was really fun. So he's a gay guy who was afraid of vulva. Yeah, so Betty was going to work with him on his vulva phobia. But what they were doing, they were just using an excuse to get some pussy on television right. for ratings. I mean, let's be <laughs> frank here. No, and, and like, the, the only reason we went there was that she promised us I was going to do a private session with this woman who's one of their little stars. For on their reality show. Reality. The fir- these are two different shows. The first, how we, we came to Norway and everyone knew us, was this first show where they, Betty was going to teach a 21-year-old woman how to orgasm because she never had one. Right. Yeah, and, 
and so they they broke it on her at the last minute, you know, like, and, and she go, I'm not going to know. She's not going to get in front of a camera and do it. So they I was there to be like personal assistant. Oh. Uh, so stunt she, cunt to the rescue. Stunt cunt. I did the session. With and them. she sat alongside, and I'm here doing the session, showing her what to do, and the little girl is watching. And it, she did have an orgasm about... Oh, yes, several. in the show, she talked afterwards. We gave, left her with some sex toys, the vibrator, and I think the barbell, and she came on and said she did. She worked through it. She funny. But one. I just want, like, I don't know, a medal, not a medal, maybe a gold star, to... Last minute, all of a sudden now my legs are spread of eagle. Betty's you love it. Oh, she's such an exhibitionist. Yes, but too, but I am an exhibitionist, but to have two chicks with a camera between your legs and then this frigid chick that's never had one to your right, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. It was a lot, to, and I had an orgasm. I had two huge orgasms. I was really proud of myself. I'm just wow, saying. Wow. So I wonder if that's have... because I was fucking you with the barbell. Yeah, that's what really sent me over. Betty gets between my legs with the barbell, and she's angling at me. I was just like... No, you were smart. You put a, a mask over my face. I did. You know, you, she's like, cut off. You can't see everyone in the room. Like, you got to just cut off and So you relax. can go within. Yeah. The blindfold. Do, do you, on your site, do you sell uh, the Kegel? Yeah, the barbell. I, I bought one of those from you a long time ago. Oh, the really? barbell? Yeah. Yeah, it's a metallic thing. Yeah, different yeah size stainless balls. steel. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought one of those for a friend. I We've got a mutual friend, a guy named Roger Gettinger, who... Apparently, well, I don't know if you were friends with him, but he came to some of your parties. Say the last name. Back in the day. Gettinger. G-U-E-T-T-I-N-G-E-R. He was a Jesuit priest. I love the Jesuit priests. It's the closest to religion I'll get. Yeah, he was a Jesuit priest hippie who was giving nude massages in the Bay Area in the late 60s. Oh, he massaged your ass, right? (laughs) And then he he left the church, moved to New York, lived in Manhattan, and was working for the Rockefeller Institute doing some sort of you know, it would have been a sex party or something. And yeah, he had come and he knew you. I guess he was a repeat offender or something, because he was sort of you know busting his way out of guilt and shame in those days as well. And uh, yeah, so he mentioned you to me a long time ago. I used to play poker with him before I wrote the book, before any of that stuff. How did you come to write the book? Like, this isn't your vocation. Is it? I don't know what my vocation is, other than epic. Jack of all trades. Jack off of all trades. Tough room. Um, yeah, you know, the, I was living with the stripper I mentioned earlier, and I was working Did for... Did the stripper have a name? Anna. Anna. Anna, who is at the beginning of the book, who I protect from the monkeys. Do you remember oh, that whole scene? Oh, it's not Casilda. Yeah, remember oh, the monkeys are coming after the nuts? Yes, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that was Anna. Um, you know, we're still friends. We, Cassie and I drove out and saw her recently. Um, but anyway, she... Uh, I was living with her in San Francisco, and I was working for an organization called Women in Community Service, which was all women, like 50 women and me. Uh, in, in you like area. those odds. <laughs> well, most of them were, you know, lesbian, feminist, oh, Berkeley, okay. you know, types. And so I was just surrounded by outspoken, smart women everywhere. Good. And this was about the time Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky had their thing. Oh. And I thought, you know, and I was also in graduate school and I was starting to think about possible dissertation topics. And I thought... Um, you know, it's really strange. If men have controlled 
society, right? They've sort of men have held all the levers of power: military, economic, physical, you know, every kind of power. How did we create a world in which the most powerful man is getting publicly humiliated for doing what most men would do? You know, no strings attached. That shows you how sex. sick we are. Well, something's wrong there, right? So I started reading evolutionary psychology, which oh. purported to explain it all. And I read this book called The Moral Animal, which sort of laid it all out. You know, men trade resources to women in exchange for like fidelity. Like the bonobos with the oranges, yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's a, the bonobos and the oranges are the counter-argument, which I didn't know anything about. In that's true, because they have sex with everyone. Yeah. Right, exactly. So this, this whole scenario, what we call the standard narrative in Sex at Dawn, is this idea that, you know, men give women meat and protection and so on, and women exchange their sex fidelity for that and the nuclear family and all this. And I thought that made perfect sense. It explained everything. But then I started talking to the women around me. And most of the women were like, sorry, Chris, that's bullshit. That's a Victorian male vision of the way things are. That's not at all how we feel. So, nor, it, nor is it what is actually happening. Yeah, I was going to say, exactly. I could use some right. meat. <laughs> Where's my meat? <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, out of respect for these women and, and to try to figure out what was going on, I went back and looked at the source material, and that's when everything started falling apart. Because then I discovered bonobos, and then I discovered all these tribes that where fidelity is not important at all, and where paternity is considered a group. And I love that. I love when they share it. If they're all having sex with a woman, then they consider themselves all to be the father, and they all take care that of the kid. It's like, only, oh, please. That's yeah. the only way children will survive is if all men feel like they're hit. They're hit. They're, those are my kids, all of them. Well, and we do. You know, I mean, you walk down the street. If I'm walking down the street and I see a little kid, you know, running out into the street, I'm not going to think, yeah, it's not my kid. No, you're going to yeah, stop I'm gonna them. grab the kid, you know, of course They're crying will. from their mom. You find the mom. They're right. lost. Yeah. And, you know, chimpanzee, a chimpanzee mother will never give her infant, never let another chimpanzee hold her infant. Not a male, not a female, nobody, because they, they'll mm-hmm. kill it often. But a female bonobo, as soon as the baby's born, will start handing the baby around, right? Much healthier. Well, much healthier and much more human-like, right? You see Mm -hmm. women in the grocery store, oh, what a beautiful kid. Oh, Oh, here you go. Yeah, Yeah. they'll let strangers hold their baby, you know? And uh, so anyway, so I started, you know, getting to your question about why, where the book came from. That's where it came from. Those, you know, I mentioned I was surrounded by smart women. It came from them telling me I was full of shit. So thank you to Women so, in Community to, Service. To any of the women listening, <laughs> it works. It, it pays off to tell men they're full of shit. <laughs> Occasionally. Oh, I do it all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? It's a relief when they know it. Yeah. It really is a relief. Well, we're all full of shit one way or another. You know, what are you going to do? I think the Buddha said that. Well, if we aren't, we're not eating and if we're not eating we're, we're not alive <laughs> so what do you what do you know we're talking about orgasm and g-spot and all that what do you know about oming are you familiar with this phenomenon yes nicole yeah. de Dawn, they all came back this is mecca here this is sex mecca uh-huh. anyone who has a book or anyone's i think they have come to bow before and Betty. i told her that while she is this every right to do what she's doing i do not approve hmm. of her system because 
I don't want women to be relying upon some man diddling her clit. At the four o'clock position or something? That's such crap. You know what I mean? Everybody. Left, no, it's the lower left quadrant or lower something. Lower left, so seven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. So I've never done it, but I showed up at a party like an hour after they'd been doing it. Mm-hmm. So I sort of entered into the post ohm penumbra or whatever it was. So I heard a lot about it, but it sounded kind of contrived and It's cult esque. Yeah, it's very cult esque. She's going to be the their, the next cult leader, and they all work. And they do very well financially because it's they have very kind of cult tactics for money. And, oh, yeah. and there's money involved. I yeah, we had an intern come from South Africa. She wrote a book about um, erotic stories, and no one has done that in South Africa yet. So she was labeled the sex guru and realized she didn't really know too much. So she came to San Francisco. Not San Francisco. Wherever they are. Aren't they in San Francisco? That's their base in San Francisco, yeah. but they have a place here. So for $15,000, she could go and, and study there. $15,000. $15,000. St- and you live there. And she had to share a room with a guy. And the whole thing is the guys were there because they want to own, right? This right. is fun. They can just diddle chicks as much as they want. And um, when she came here... She'd never had an orgasm, right? So she was here when we were doing one of our body sex workshops, and I said, you know, Jade, you're taking the group, okay? That's part of That's going to be your internship. And she had the first orgasm. Remember, she came so big, she was like, Carlin, Carlin, orgasm is God. I saw God. And she had this... So my question, you spend $15,000... Yeah. To learn about orgasm technique uh, when you well. yourself have not had one, right? Why, why, and what they were teaching her, money? like, What's the, I don't understand the money. I thought these were just parties where people got together. Oh no, no they would be. She would be certified. Oh, you have to be certified. She was going to be certified, so she would teach this technique. And so what kind of technique are you teaching when you didn't have an orgasm? Because she said, that was the first orgasm. I mean, this is all coming out of her mouth. I'm not asking or surmising, she said. Um, She said they spent a lot of time teaching you, like, how to get money from people, how to market, and how to, like, get a client and get them to give you money. So, which is kind of... I know a little opposite of how we handle it. Let's let's figure out your sexuality and how to give yourself an orgasm, and then you're ready to teach something. Yeah, right. So it's if if you do the self, if you think in terms of the self-help model. Anyone who's sober one day can help somebody who's still drinking. A drug addict who's who's sober one day can help us, and that's the same thing with orgasm. A woman who's had an orgasm can help a woman who's never had one. Right. But it's all first-person sharing. Right. I. Yeah. I had this feeling. I had this experience. I and if you go over to, you know what'll work for you, that's already bullshit. Right. You can't tell somebody what to do. Right. Share your. This, this comes out of feminists, early feminism, when all of the sharing that we were doing in our consciousness raising groups was all based on first person sharing. No theories. No speculation. Just share your experience. Right. And it was so profound. It was so powerful. I would be sitting, I'd go, oh, my God. First of all, I'd never been in a room with women only Hmm. until I had that first. This is back now in the late 60s. And it just it blew my mind, women only, that that dynamic, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Because we very seldom have that. And, of course, tribes, the tribal women are doing it all the time. Yeah. But in America, we all come in pairs. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, boy, I think about bo- that a lot. And we drive girl. each other crazy a yeah. lot of times, you know? Because we don't have socially sanctioned private spaces. No. You know? And even when we do, it's like, yo, it's a men's only club. Well, then, you know, they get sued for excluding <laughs> women. And or it's, you don't hear so much about the women's only clubs being sued by men or by, I don't know why. No, but yeah. I guess because the power, the deals, they, the money They don't happening. think there's anything going on with yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we have, about we that, have men trying to get into body sex workshops like crazy, oh, yeah. begging, please, yeah. please, please. I did. I ran three uh, three men's groups. I did. And what was that like? Oh, I loved it. The the, thir- the the final one, and you know how I teach and how I live and how I function is that I make it up as I go along. That is the creative process. Right. Because what I'm doing, you can't research it. No one's done it before. So you just go out there and make it up. And I'm terrified. My boom, you know, and sweat, and I'm just like, oh god, I can't do this. I'm going to do it. I can't. I will. I will. <laughs> so. The first one was a disaster. The second one got a little better, and the third one was brilliant. And I thought, oh, I could make a lot of money doing this, and it would make a lot of women happy and men happier too. And I went, I was. It took me two weeks to get over that week, that two-day workshop. It's and it's the same thing when I was doing private sessions that I would work with a man as well as a woman. You guys are exhausting. I cannot tell you how tiresome you can make someone. It is demands and needy and you know and 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 resistant and stuck and it's just like I thought that's it. I will it will shorten my life by 50 years if I work with men. So, so you find women a lot easier yeah, to work with. Women only. They they take the teaching more easily. They men are resonant. a big suck. They're entitled. Uh, They're entitled to sex. Right. And what, what is it that you're teaching the men? How to well, be with women? No, or? no. How to be with themselves. Really? So, well, but I'm, I imagine the, there aren't men who are having trouble coming, right? No, but they're lousy at the way they masturbate. They uh, do it too fast, too hard. Oh, uh, so you're actually, that's why you're so good with the hand jobs. You're teaching yes. dudes how to give themselves hand jobs. And then the men well, have to work through the issues of. Well, if you don't mind my saying, Betty, that's pretty presumptuous. That's like me teaching a a woman how to masturbate? Imagine I'd get, I'd get I didn't run out of the room. teach them how to masturbate. <laughs> I set an example. <laughs> so I told them that they can move their pelvises. Uh-huh. Said Lamer. <laughs> I wish the visuals were coming through. No, if you want to read it, it's in Betty's uh, memoir. The chapter is Mother's Day Wankers. Mother's and it's Day my Wankers. favorite chapter in uh-huh. the. And, you know, the men have to work through the homophobia, uh-huh. right? You're naked in a group of men, and you're oh, all jerking off together. Off it's very together. healing for men. Uh-huh. That was the biggest thing. And then I did... And this. how did you answer the door? Just tell them quick. Okay. <laughs> it's a good story. I had a policeman's cap, and I had a, a, a belt with uh-huh. a cunt buckle and my boots. That was it. That's it? That's it. Oh, welcome to the lair. And you did that here as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, I imagine that would be very interesting for the men to, because you know, men naked without erections is very different than men naked together with erections. With erections. Well, so when they were in the circle, and I had, I started, or they wouldn't go, no, no genital show and tell with the guys. Oh, we see it all the time, and I said, yeah, but it would look different if you had a mirror and you were looking at it, right? Than looking down, right? So I got one guy who did it, and they all no, they weren't going to do that. So. <laughs> 
All right. So this is the time. So I have to make it up on the spot because the guys are much more resistant. You can tell a woman what to do and she'll do it. Right. You tell a guy, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not, no, I'm not going to do that. So, <laughs> so I kept having to trick them and conjole them and challenge them and humiliate them. That's why it's exhausting. Yeah. It's just you have to pull everything out of you've got out of your resources in your you know. So, but the best thing, and, and it just happened by well accident. Thank you, goddess of sexual love and abundance, for working through me. I had them blindfolded, uh-huh. and uh, each it's like when we do the massage, the group massage with the women. Well, the guys can't handle that, so they were blindfolded, and I divided the group one, two, one, two, and so the ones lay down blindfolded, and the guys circulated, and they were doing. You get five minutes of genital massage. Then I'd ring a little bell, ding, 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 and they would go to the next, and they had to do this in total silence. So they had no idea who was doing them at all. Hot. Hmm? Hot. Hot. And so all of the resistance that I was getting, you know, during the masturbation ritual, what I had to do was, well, all right, I'm backing up. I got my vibrator on a long extension cord. It came in the kitchen. I'm doing this right on the spot. I plug it in. So I, they're, and they're, the guys are all laying there and they're looking at the, and they're flopping. This old guy's <laughs> floppy dick, and the other one's this. And then one guy's, you know, and he's already going to shoot. And they're not looking at, there's no esprit de corps. <laughs> there is nothing going on. The, it, it is cold as oh, ice. And so I go into the center of the circle. I said, well, I want to welcome everyone to Betty Dodson's International Masturbation Jerk-Off or Wankers or whatever. I, you know, I, And they all look up, so they start to laugh a little bit. I'm starting to break through the ice. And of course, they're terrified they're going to touch the guy next to them. And I've got a, tra- I've got a, 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 a transvestite. He came in last. He was delicious. He opened a bag. He brought every dildo he'd ever owned. He every this, every that. He had his little frilly underwear and his fishnet stockings and his tacky jewelry and oh, and he. So we did a little skit on the second day. But so I got him all in the circle, and all of a sudden I look over there and here's my gay man, you know Jorge, and then there was I had two gay guys. Bye, really. No, Alan was strictly gay. And the other guy, Jorge, was was bisexual. So he's down there given and the, he blindfolded. He's down there given this little piece of shit resistant. He's got a huge boner, and I look over just in time. He's shooting up <laughs> a huge ejaculation. Oh! <laughs> and then I've got the other one. He's got his fingers up the guy's ass, you know, doing the whole number. It they ju- they just it cut loose, but they had to not see. Huh. You guys are so visual. It's an illness. Ah, yeah. It's an illness. Hmm. Women don't want to. And look. what did the guy say after the? There was a. It's in the chapter. He got up and he said something about the hand job or what was it? Oh, the, yeah. So, so I want to know who was the second guy that 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 uh, gave me a hand job. He said, "I want your phone number." <laughs> <laughs> and it just broke the ice, you know. And, and so, my it was, it's nice to be with uh, to be around gay men and know that they're perfectly nice people. And then my Elan uh, said, "It's nice to be around straight." Husbands and fathers, because we never interact. Right. They never interact. Yeah. 
So it was a very healing. And, and, and at the end of that, I said, that's it. I'm never going to do it again. I will be in an early, I'd hit, I'd have an early grave. It yeah. took me two weeks to, to restore my energy. It was, I just, they took everything I had. Well, you were, you were pushing against a wall that's very strong in men. And Homophobia. Well, I mean, beyond homophobia, we write about the the difference in erotic plasticity in men and women in in our book. The research seems to be pretty strong that men uh, aren't as malleable as... as Rigid is the word. Okay, they're rigid, yeah. But it's not homophobic necessarily. It's just that there's a window in which they can be imprinted and then beyond that window what is the window somewhere between 5 and 10 years of age generally for humans um, but it, you know this is something that's across most mammalian species there's a, the same difference between males and females like there we talked about um, one uh, uh, research program in Scotland I think it was where they took one year they took all the baby goats from one herd and put them with the sheep and they took all the baby sheep and put them with the goats, right? So these little animals... I love that kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> so they grew up, right? The little goats grew up among sheep and the sheep grew up among the goats. And so they let them, I think it was uh, two or three years till they re- reached sexual maturity and then they switched them back. Right? Now they had already been having sex with the species they were living with. Right. So sex outside their species was normal yeah. for them, right? So then they switched them back, okay? The females, just the female goats now are, you know, the the goats are with the goats and the sheep are with the sheep. So the female goats start fucking the male goats and the female sheep are fucking the male sheep, but the males of both species refused. So the male sheep are saying, no, no, I fuck goats. And the male goats are saying, no, no, I only fuck sheep. So what's the biological mechanism there? Why is that there? Well, you know, why is a whole different, yeah. you know. And in, in, in evolution, I think it's important, you know, we, we very uh, sort of uh, quickly assume there's an evolutionary function for things. And uh, often there isn't. Often it's a byproduct of something else. It's the same gene that control, you know, sure. uh, two different things or five different things. Um, so I don't know that there is a biological or evolutionary mechanism or necessity for that. But it does seem to be something that happens across uh, many mammalian species. So, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, I sympathize with you. You were definitely butting your head up against something. <laughs> Dan Savage got in a lot of trouble for saying that in his experience, he thought there were very few, if any, bisexual men. Because in his experience, almost all the men he'd ever met who claimed to be bisexual, including himself, were gay, gay and they just weren't ready yet. The bisexual cover. They were sort of like transitioning. Uh, But what about Fritz Klein's work? He found that bisexuality was a stable orientation. Well... Is he at Northwestern? No, he's he's deceased. Oh. Fritz Klein, right? Wasn't uh, Tom Reese's partner? Yeah, he wrote that book, The Bisexual Option. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, at the here at the end, I mean, or, or at the beginning, I'm just getting started. Because uh, I took bisexual because I was with women all the time, and I can have sex with women very comfortably. Yeah. But I'm definitely heterosexual. Right. I oh yeah. That. Yeah. And so are you. We you love. Think so. 
I'm right. sorry. What? You heard it here, you folks. You are a fucking cock junkie, just like I am. A cock junkie and a stunt cunt. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted one of your business cards. I should make a t-shirt. Cock jockey on the front and stunt, stunt cunt, cunt on, on the, the back. back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want one of those. There she goes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I should add, just not to let that hang, because Dan, uh, he talks about this in his last book, American Savage, and he got, obviously, he got a huge backlash of people. Of course. You know, and but if he's sharing his personal experience, that's what he's saying. He's saying, right. for me, I used it because I couldn't be gay. Right. So that's okay for people to do. Well, and there was research showing uh, out of Northwestern, that's why I asked, uh, that seemed to suggest that most of the people, men who claimed to be bi, were in fact only gay. physiologically responding to the male-on-male porn and not to the hetero or the female-only porn. But then later they went back and redid the research with a different selection criteria and found that some of the men... What happened was the men who were claiming to be bi were only responding to the the gay porn, right, physiologically. But then they went in and changed the uh, acceptance procedures for who was going to be included in uh, the sample yeah. to confirm that they actually were bi and that they weren't these guys who were sort of in the... And then they found, no, there are... Bi- there are bisexual yeah. people. I've yeah. known bisexual people, truly. Men, I'm talking Men, about. Men, yeah. Like love, well, women, we... yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, you both said, well, I'm heterosexual, but I can have sex with women. Well, I'm heterosexual, but I've never had sex with a man, and it would make me uncomfortable. But there's such a huge taboo against it. But I don't think it's the taboo. Well, maybe it's hard to tell. But But what if when you were 10 or 11 years old, you and your guy friend... Didn't you do your little circle jerks and look at each other? Circle jerks, but what if you did some penetration with your prostate and ejaculated? Would you have coupled that with, you know what I mean? Would that be different? Well, see, that's what's really interesting. And I've spoken with Dan and and other people about this, that, uh, okay, so you've got this window of uh, imprinting, say, between 5 and 10, roughly. Okay, it's different for everyone. So what happens if, as you're suggesting, in that age... All right. A, a typical scenario is you're in that age and you're, you know, lying on the floor and your mother's friend is over and she's got red high-heeled shoes and you've got a hard-on and suddenly, boom, high-heeled shoes, yeah, yeah, yeah. red shoes and hard-ons. So for the rest of your life as a man, you've got a thing for women in red shoes, right? That'll never go away. Once it's imprinted, you know, you're stuck with that, which is why most fetishists are men. Right. Yeah, and we and we all know. Don't try to change them. Just tell them it's yeah. okay. It's never going to change, right? So you can't. You can control how you respond to that in the case of pedophilia or something, but you're never going to not be attracted to what it is. So now, what happens if uh, you know a, a heterosexual boy? Right. So he's not born gay. As some kids mm-hmm. are just born gay or whatever. So born straight, but has an experience with a male. That's pleasurable and positive. Right. So, so then later that guy marries a woman, has a straight life, but every once in a while he's got to go, you know, get a blowjob from a guy or suck a dick or whatever. Now most people would say he's closeted gay guy. But what I'm proposing is, no, there's a, a certain homosexual encounter that he's got as a fetishistic uh, element. You know, element in his otherwise heterosexual orientation. So he's not lying to anyone. He's just 
you know, heterosexual with this exceptional thing. The reason I haven't written about this or spoken about it publicly until today is that it feeds into the right wing. Yes, that you can you go to the, the gay camp and, and make your kid on gay. Yeah, yeah, no. Or you can make him gay. Yes. Right? That these gays are, you know, they're trying to recruit our kids, you know, because they can't have any of their own. So I don't want to feed into that, you know what I'm saying? Oh, gosh. But I do oh, America. Yeah, I know. It's it's incredible. We're so it's sick. incredible. Yeah. Now, I've been de- dealing with Edgerman, you know, one of our... One of our bloggers is a gay man who married a woman, loves but his you, wife. But wait a minute. Um, he always has referred to himself as bisexual. Not anymore, though. And I, but he kept emphasizing his bisexuality, but he never ever acted out his gay his gay side, except in his masturbation and his fantasies. And so his wife knew that he was looking at gay porn, beating off. And so I think there's more to this. And this is now my whole understanding that I'm thinking, yeah, he can have sex with men, with women, but he prefers men. I could tell Mm -hmm. by so many things he was saying. So. I just encouraged him to be who he really is. And he came out roaring, a yeah, roaring, like, roaring faggot. I mean, he had been repressing. He's, he's out in the Midwest. He did this to, to survive. Because out in Wichita, if you're gay, they'll fucking kill you. Yeah. No, they don't like you. they got to go, boom, yeah. bluey. You, they'll blow your head right off. Wow. They're not very, th- those Christians aren't tolerant. very. Tolerant. Aren't very tolerant. No. That's putting it lightly. Have you ever heard of Jan Morris? Yes, wait a minute. Jan Morris wrote a beautiful book called Conundrum. About uh, she was one of the first people to have a sex change operation in Morocco in the seventies, I think. So she went from male Male to female. female. Yeah, she was James Morris, uh, a quite prominent journalist uh, in the military. She dispatches from World War II, maybe, and she, he, James Morris, was the first journalist to report that Sir Edmund Hillary had made it to the top of Mount Everest. He was at the base camp, and and then he was married, had kids. And then just decided that you know he'd always been a woman. He knew he'd always been a woman. Had a sex change operation in Morocco. Stayed married with the same woman. As far as I know, she's still alive. She's she's up there now. She's got to be in her nineties. Got to be ninety. Yeah. All right, we're back. Uh, that was just a quick phone call from the police wondering what I'm doing up here. Exactly. Now they went the in NSA. on it. <laughs> they all went in on it. Well, Betty does have an FBI file because Dan Ellsberg used to swing by here. Really? I met Dan Ellsberg yeah. uh, two months ago at uh, my friend Stanley's 80th birthday party in Berkeley. Mm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say he's a freeloader. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could just edit that part out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> American it. hero? I think not. <laughs> <laughs> not when it comes to sex parties. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So is there anything you'd like to, to end with? I mean, there are so many different things that, that we could cover. I mean, I, I consider you, you know, shame exorcist extraordinaire. You know, you've done so much. Earlier when, when we were talking about the generational difference mm-hmm. and how you said, Carlin said that you were in some ways a product of the sort of work, work that absolutely. Betty's done. Yeah. You know, I was in, in my own family um, 
my on my father's side, like he comes from a long line of sort of abusive Irish alcoholic assholes. That's us. Right. <laughs> That's both of us. We both had alcoholic, abusive Irish fathers. No, mine was not abusive. No, Charlie. yeah, mine no, wasn't abusive. Not abusive, but, but ineffectual. But everything else was the same. Definitely drugs. Yeah. Well, anyway, just thinking about, I've thought a lot about that, and and it, you know, it's. Um, I think the most admirable thing any human being can do is, because it's so easy to pass along that energy. You know, it's so mm-hmm. easy if you were abused in some way, if you were ashamed, if you were wounded in some way, the easiest thing in the world is to just pass that damage right down the line and to just absorb it and just swallow it and say, this ends here. It ends here. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Very and then you have to turn around and give other people permission, right? That's how to get rid of their shame. Yeah. We get a yeah. lot of questions. They say, how do I stop feeling bad? Yeah. And so what, what, what's going on here with this website of artists is that we're preparing the next generation of women who are going to take over. You guys have really screwed up the earth. We don't have any hope for you whatsoever. Women have to take control. We must step in and run everything. Yeah. Everything. Well, you know, one of the things we say in, in Sex at Dawn that's gotten a lot of attention from people is, you know, I, I say, guys, if you want... To you know, get laid more, have a better yeah. life. You know, what you need to do is get the fuck out of the way, make the women around you feel empowered and respected, and then just sit back and watch what happens. You know, every society where women have high status are societies where everybody's happy, not just the women. Exactly. Men have this idea that by men being in charge, life's better for men. It's not. No, They're more it's, stressful for them. Well, it, uh, even the ones who are in charge, but yeah. it's only the ones who are in charge are only like one percent of men. Yeah. So, like, okay, you're, you know, some asshole dude who thinks you're great because men rule the world, but you don't rule the world, buddy. No. You know, you're you're as much a slave as the women are. Trying to pay know? the mortgage. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. but, no, but but most of most, I mean, our government is most of those are men. They're they're yeah. that are making the decisions. Or women who are forced to play men's games. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The token. Exactly. We've got to let, you know, consensus-based decision making, and you know, although I got to say, having worked in women's organizations, there are issues with the way women work together. Too. Of course, everyone has their <laughs> issues. I think it's just about equality, though. It's like yeah. you know, in Europe now, the efforts to force uh, companies to have women on the boards of directors. Because senior management is one thing. But if you're not on the board, but they've tied it that the more women you have on your board, the higher your, you know, gross revenues go up because it's like a different way of thinking. So why wouldn't we want two different ways of thinking and two different ways of being and executing and put them together and see what happens? Like, why wouldn't we want that? Why why is it so radical to suggest that half the people in Congress should be women? Well, yeah. Why is that a big deal? Why is that a big there deal? There are half, half the people, people in the because population. Because the right. men know that they're going to lose their power. It's gained uh, in, in, what do you call it? It's it's stolen. They they yeah. have stolen that power. And they're, yeah. afra- and they're afraid that if you let one woman, two, one, three, we're going to take over. And it's true. We will. Well, that, the thing is that men need to realize that if women do take over, they'll be better off. That's yeah. the key. Yeah, we gotta uh, sell that. Yeah, yeah. I remember in law school, they'd always haze you, the old guy professors, 
You know, and I would get in trouble because I'd wear, like, overalls to class. Because some people would dress up in suits. And I'm like, if I'm not at my internship, mm-hmm. I'm going comfortable. I'm wearing Converse overalls. <laughs> you went farmer? You know, yeah, you I went farmer. farmer I'm, like, <laughs> walking around with 50 pounds of books in my bag. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to be, be there till midnight. Right. I want to be comfortable. Yeah. And uh, the male professors did not like that. And they'd always be that you, whatever you would sit, they would always try to herd the girls. they say, you know, I think you all should sit in the front row. Like they would, <laughs> and I was like, I'm sitting in the back. You know, and then it was like, why don't you wear a skirt? And it was like this constant, and they would just look at you completely incredulous, like, what are you doing here? Yeah, you're not playing the game. Not playing yeah. the game. You're not on the team. You're not yes. a team player. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Fuck the I am player. the captain of the team. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm bullish about the younger women, though. I think the younger women get it, yeah. and they're entitled, hmm. and they don't think they're not waiting for someone to make a place for them. They're just taking the reins, yeah. and they're going to do it. And they're making more money now than young men. And I think, like you always say, once you have economic independence, then the sexual independence. Yeah. And I do think that's the last missing piece for women. Yeah. If you don't have sexual equality and sexual agency... And you can't use your body for your pleasure if you're still playing the slut stigma, and if you won't get married if you fuck ten guys, and all this other crap. <laughs> we will not have sexual equity unless we have financial equity. We, and once you have those two pieces, yeah, it sounds kumbaya, but the battle, like you always say, the battle of the sexes isn't. It's done. We don't need because it anymore. Women are always going to manipulate men for money. Yeah. If they need to. If If they they have to. to. We got to feed the kids. Right. Well, let the women have direct access to the money themselves, and then you can stop playing these games. Let them fuck who they want, when they want. Everyone's happy you fuck who you this want. This ownership of women, <laughs> this this demand, the men are making demand on monogamy of women, and they have no intention of being monogamous. Yeah. Fuck that. Or taking care of your sexual needs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just gave a TED Talk uh, a couple months ago, which they still haven't posted. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I was going to say, did they post it? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. no, but that this was exactly the point of the TED Talk. At the end of it, and my, my big wrap-up was, you know, I said... Uh, you know that uh, the war between the sexes is a false flag operation mm-hmm. that it's not between men and women it's between people in power and people who don't have yeah, power yeah, yeah. and you know the fact is it's men and women who don't have power and a few who do and uh, you know the end the end was I said uh, you know it's time to move beyond Mars and Venus men are Thank from you. Africa women are from Africa like that's it we're, all, we're from Earth can we just yeah. be from Earth yeah, I mean we're from the same place. We are this we're on the same team. The problem is that the people in power, as they always do, divide and conquer, mm-hmm. right? Separate us into men and women, Protestants and Catholics, White blacks and, and black, whites, gay and, and straight. You keep us fighting and then they can keep running the show. Because people of means have sex with whom they want. They have abortions, access to contraception. Exactly. They have everything. You know I mean? They have everything. Yeah. Women inherit. You know what I mean? Like we have well, none of those is, issues. This is the one percent that we're talking about. Yeah. They're, 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 it's a dying breed. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. And as women, I agree with you that young women now are more empowered than ever. But as they become empowered, I hope that the the key, it seems to me, is for working class men to join that team and yeah. not to be opposed to that, not to be threatened by that, but to be to understand how they can be uplifted by the same 
uh, equality or the same. Because, you know, let's face it, those women get into political power, what are they going to do? Head Start, you know, education, health care. Those are things that women support overwhelmingly. And those men are going to be benefited. They're going to benefit from those yes, things. Yes, absolutely. So they can't fight against no. them. You know, and that's we have so many young men to coming to the site that are very positive and are asking questions for their girlfriends that are kind of like right there. That I, I don't know, I have faith. Yeah, I good. do. I have faith. Well, that's beautiful. Because there's not a lot of room for hope these days. So let's take it where we find it, right? And hopefully they'll post your TED Talk. Someday. <laughs> and we can not, do a little ritual. <laughs> yeah, a little TED ritual. So what do you think What do you think was the, the reason for the you know holding back with the censorship? What was the most upsetting thing that you said? Well, I mean, I'm not sure it's censorship yet, but most of the talks are up. Um, I, I got censored from Makers, the feminist project. We've been looking oh. for her video. They did it like two years ago. Ago, the only peace of mind that they put up was that I I was married, sex was terrible, I got a divorce, and then I spent the first year in bed with my new lover. That's all. I never wrote. But we a book. did this like hour interview, and the camera guy even said, "I've never heard anything that amazing." It was just so stellar, and cutting off. So I hope you don't suffer a similar fate. I never made it. I didn't make the cut. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I mean, part of it's my own fault because I went off script, and they don't you like that. You have to go off script. I know. I they know. don't like that. They you have a like script that. and you yeah. practice that script and you say it again and again and oh, again. Oh yeah, again. it's down to Is the second. Is that how second. they do Ted? Yes. yes. Oh, we're never yeah. going to. That's do why it. everyone's like, Betty should do a TED talk, and I thought, forget it. She's an extemporaneous speaker. Me it's too. never going to yeah. happen. Well, and with me, I mean, our, my listeners have heard this story before, but it, essentially what happened was they made me, well, they sort of did a bait and switch with me where first I was going to, I said, I'm not going to use any images. I'm just going to tell some anthropological stories that illustrate some stuff. And they were like, no, no, you're great. We, you know, because they did a, like a TEDx thing. And they're like, no, we love the images and you're funny and da da da. Like, do your thing. Like, well, okay. I said, but, you know, your audience is kind of conservative more than my usual university audience. And they're like, no, the audience is going to oh, love oh. it. The, and, the, a bonobo fucking a little baby bonobo? <laughs> Why didn't you use Two that? Two gay faggot bonobos. <laughs> Uh, but I did have some bonobo pictures. I didn't use the video. With the big but, clits? <laughs> uh, big balls. The balls are what got me in trouble. Really? The big balls? So I had this, you know, because I talk about I've got the biggest balls of them all. Which is a compliment, right? You're bragging. What happened You're more was, fertile, I think. Isn't that? It used to be not about the size of the dick, but they the used to yeah. They used to judge a man's uh, masculinity by his testicles, not the size of his dick. In some cultures, the bigger your dick is, it, it's a problem. There's an insult in the, the Kung people in Botswana. Insult a man by saying, oh, he, Mr. Big Dick is an insult. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also, a lot of tribes in Africa, uh, the inner labia, are, that's beautiful to have. It's long. very prized. They hang weights from Hot and tot apron. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's hot and tot apron. Yeah. No, that was what one Venus hot and tot. Yeah. yeah. With a Venus, yeah. Anyway, so so I had this image of which I've used in talks all over the world. With um, in the upper left hand corner, a gorilla lying on his back, and gorillas' testicles are the size of kidney beans, and they're up inside their abdomen. So you, there's not no external. So that one's fine. So there's nothing there, and you can see his little nub of a penis, right? A gorilla's erect penis is the size of your pinky. Wouldn't finger. you know? Yeah. 
So never try to get there go the gorilla, to a gorilla rape fantasies. You'll, you'll be like, I ain't fucking no gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> but and then in the other upper right, upper right hand corner, I had a picture of a bonobo who's got big chicken egg sized balls, and in the middle was a friend of mine in a hammock wearing a speedo who's got pretty big balls, and it said gorilla bonobo Italian. That's oh, it's racist. So they thought Italians would be offended. And I said, come on, you know, you tell an Italian he has big balls, it's a compliment. I know, but no one has a sense of humor anymore, and they don't get it, and everything's like you're going to offend someone. You would have to say uh, man, human. Yeah. Yeah, well, they said, oh, couldn't you just say my friend? I was like, well, but my friend, that's not funny. But isn't that interesting? They like you because you're funny, and then they want to sanitize all the funny out of it. It took all the funny out of it. So by the time I got on stage, I was kind of feeling like, you know what, fuck this, I'll just say what I want to say. So I came out, I made a joke. The first joke was... Oh, you're cut, buddy. Yeah. uh, Do you know that, um, you know how much it costs to go to TED? 7,500 bucks per person. What? $7,500. It's a big conference. You know, you see the videos, but people are there in the audience and they charge people a lot of money because you're getting to hear the greats like Christopher Ryan speak. And they're really, yeah. yeah. But you know, the reality 7500 for a ticket. Plus hotel, travel, everything. Everyone writes it off on the big corporations, I think. Right. So and the, universities and shit like that. Well, the audience—they're all venture capitalists and yeah. CEOs. They're—it's—they're they're all like it's a bad audience. rich people. Yeah, it's a. So I come out and I said, "It's a dream come true to be on stage at TED. The only thing that could be better would be to have so much success and money that I could afford to be in the audience at TED." <gasps> oh, 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 oh! You out of them? Oh, oh my <laughs> You're god! You're done. Yeah. But you know what? It's a good moment. You made your choice. You did yeah, it. Yeah, Fuck them. Yeah, yeah. But they can cut that. I mean, I don't know. You know I what? I just, I've always thought we have to do a TED Talk. No. no, I got it. No, we're not. No, I read the piece in the New Yorker, and they, they broke it down, and I just knew that that's not the way you do it. So it wouldn't yeah. be the Betty at her best. Yeah. I mean, I could do it just for my training as a lawyer. Well, the Cindy Gallup uh, did, yeah, we know did a TED Talk. You know her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I guess she got her way with being pretty explicit so I don't well it's not even yeah. just exp- yeah there's a way you can be explicit yes yeah, yeah the only thing explicit is that she's an older woman who likes to have sex with younger men and don't and, and no don't come in my face yeah if we were going to do it we'd want a little more explicit sex information and that's uh. when you get into words when you start saying words like clitoris that's when you get into trouble yeah we've had trouble with that on television they'll say say C-spot I'm like, but the C-spot doesn't exist. Yeah. Can I say penis? Yes. What, what is it? That's one of the most aggravating things about American society for me. All this bullshit with the N-word and the C-word. Think of the, it. Think of it. Think of it. Third if, fucking if women, <laughs> if women find out that the clitoris is their primary sex organ, then you guys think you're going to be able to stick it in the vagina anytime you want? You're going to have to go down there and lick that clit. <laughs> Well, not if, not if you're with a woman who doesn't like giving blowjobs, Betty. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's uh, different. That door swings both yeah. ways. <laughs> that's <Austin>. right. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Before this gets any more uh, out of control, let me thank you both again. Oh, thank you. This is you. wonderful. I, it's great to be in the lair. I feel it is a lair, I isn't it? Privileged. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much. Baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say.
Smoke alarms will dance into the 